the DOT requires the night work. A lot of night work. Yeah, uh-huh. a lot of night work and weekend work. So we started we started last night a job on I seventy five right there by the Brave Stadium, and it's it'll be all all night, and then you have certain weekends that you can work around the clock, um, which is really when you get your production. And you can't work when the Braves are in town, so I mean, oh, really? Uh, <laughs> uh, it makes it interesting. So. Uh, um, is it just at night? Is it typically just resurfacing paving work, or is it everything? No, it's mainly resurfacing work. Yeah, yeah, interstates and even some state routes. It's it's nighttime uh, construction work for the most part. We can do during the day, um, except for you know, same thing, interstate lane closures and that sort of thing are mm-hmm. reserved for night, but. Uh, which, you know, a lot of the state routes and the interstate work is a lot of what we do. So this year, hopefully not so much, but like last year out of our, we last year we were running 16 paving crews. This year we're running 17. Uh, I would say 11 of the 16 last year were all nighttime. That is, that's a lot of asphalt. It is a lot of asphalt. Yeah. Really yeah. That's 17 crews. That's Keep that fed. It takes a lot of tons. No kidding. Yes. Yeah. How many tons a year? Uh, we run, uh, last year we were right around 4 million, so it'll, wow. it'll be a little bit more than that this year. And you supply most of that to yourself? We supply all of that to ourselves. All of it. Uh, well, I- I'm sorry. So half of that production is to our own crews mm. and half of that is to oh, outside gotcha. customers. Okay. Yes. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Um, so I guess where I, I, I want to, when did you come to the United States? Cause I didn't even know you I came, born here. I, I came when I was 17 years old. Really? Yes. So okay. I was uh, born and raised in Venezuela. Yeah. My mom's American. My dad was born in Spain, but he moved to uh, Venezuela at a young age. And then my grandfather started a little small construction company that did more uh, water and sewer commercial type work. And dad took work with my grandfather, took that over. And the idea was that I would uh, come to the U.S., go to school, and then go back and and run the business. It, it was the mm-hmm. idea my brother would do that, and he he did not uh, return. He met a a gal from Charleston, South oh, Carolina State. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then it was the same uh, same idea for me. I was his last hope. I was the youngest, but while I was in school, Dad had a stroke, so uh, so Mom and Dad decided to to move up and uh, then sold sold the company, which ended up you know, being kind of godsend because things down there got really bad in the mm-hmm. late 90s and uh, and the economy there to this day is, is a mess. So it kind of worked out for the best. But that was that was the original idea. Sure. So you, so. you grew up around the industry, though? Huh? I, I grew up around the industry some. Like I yeah. said, uh, more, more seeing uh, my dad in, in the industry and, and, you know, going spending time with him in a few sites and so on. But uh but it wasn't it wasn't large construction like we're doing at CW Matthews. It was very small scale. He probably had uh, you know, twenty or thirty employees, but uh mm. but definitely a little bit around the industry. And my brother, um, prior to me, he he studied civil engineering and uh he went the engineer route. Um I did the same. I did civil engineering, but uh decided that, you know, I w I didn't wanna get stuck behind a desk. So I really enjoyed the uh the field side, so got got lucky and got a job in in heavy civil right out of college. Uh, it's um, <clears throat> all this reminds me. There was a guy I met in when I was in Europe, and uh, he's helping. He's somewhat taking over the family business. But the funny thing is, he went to the United States to study, and he had a great job lined up in. Um, he was like Miami or something like that. I mean, just a killer place. And he was loving life in the United States. wasn't going to go back. And his dad was like, No, no, no. You don't understand. You're coming back You're from the company. <laughs> yes. So, so he didn't. He didn't want to go back. <laughs> he was ready to uh, stay. Yeah. Yes. But I feel like that's a great. That's a great person to run the company. That that you know, not raised and not wanting to run the company. Like, sure. all right, fine. I guess I have to go back yeah, and do it. I'll do it. Um. <clears throat> so you get into the heavy civil world right out of school. I did, and and really kind of fortunate. My uh, my senior year in college. Um, I have uh, early on that year, I, I was um, I got a job with a company called Metromont and they did precast like drainage structures and beams and that sort of thing. And just a few weeks before graduation, they called me and said, hey, we kind of have had a change of plans, uh, downturn. 
and we're not going to be able to offer you the job. So mm. I graduated, really didn't have a job. I actually flew back to Venezuela, spent a few weeks there with my buddies and kind of said, hey, I got to figure out I need a job. So then um, came back and uh, just got fortunate that one of my friends from school, his dad worked for a large construction company. And uh, I got a job out of school with them in um, in Maryland. So I picked up my stuff, threw it in a U-Haul. I really didn't know much of anything and went to Maryland, started working for that company. And that company relocated me several times. Um, it was great experience. And in the late 90s, that company acquired some companies in the South, actually from, uh, from uh, Hanson. And then later on had another acquisition of Vulcan and uh, that brought me back south, which is mm. kind of wanted to move back to South Carolina. That's where I had gone to school. Same with me. I, I have met my now wife. Uh, she was studying in, in South Carolina and I was up in Pennsylvania. I had moved up there uh, to a small town north of Pittsburgh. So that kind of worked out, um, came back to South Carolina and then in 2002 moved to Georgia again, with the same company. I was with them for 17 years before uh, going to work at Matthews nine years ago. Is that right? Wow. Yes. So you were 17 years at the same company. I was. Before I was. DW Matthews. Yes, I was. Holy smoke. Yes. And similar, similar, obviously type work. And at times uh, the two companies competed a little bit, but, uh, but not, uh, not all the time, but I was very familiar with CW Matthews and, you know, they had a great reputation. And again, just uh, through kind of an interesting um, exchange, uh, the company I was working for was in the um, looking to sell some asphalt plans. Matthews was interested in just a deal ne never um, went through. It kind of fell through at the last minute. And then, you know, I connected with Matthews and out of nowhere, they offered me an opportunity to join them. And I had been moving around uh, a good bit. I was traveling we have five kids and it was just a good opportunity to kind of settle in one place, obviously for a great company. So, uh, you know, it, it was a tough decision though, because I had been mm -hmm. with the other company for 17 years, worked around a lot of great people. So it was a tough decision at the time, but definitely one of the best decisions I ever made. And that's one of the unique things about Matthews. You guys are, it's a big contractor, um, but you just stay in Georgia. Correct. Yeah, we, we at times have gone across uh, state lines. We did a little bit of work in Alabama. We recently mm -hmm. completed a large design build jobs in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, 95% of our work or more is, is done in the state of Georgia. So like you said, it's it's large, but one of the benefits, and we sell this to our employees, I think they, are, they appreciate it is that you know, we're not traveling to multiple states. They get to go home at the end of the shift, and mm -hmm. and it is good. It it creates a good, uh, you know, family uh, work life balance as much as you can get in this industry. So. Sure. Um, where did you? What position did you start? I actually started in estimating, which, huh. uh, you know, looking back, I always say that didn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, it's hard to bid work unless you've seen things built. But I I really enjoyed that. I enjoy the numbers side of things and. I worked with some great people that, uh, you know, were, were very helpful as I started in estimating. But I took every opportunity I would get to get out in the field, go look at the job, spend time with the crews, just really to understand the work so that I could become a better estimator. So I did that for a while, uh, for the first, I guess, two to three years that I was in the industry. But then when I went to South Carolina, I was uh, placed over uh, a job on I-85. It was widening of I-85 in the Greenville, South Carolina area. Mm -hmm. And I was fully in, in the field as a, as a project engineer. But I was really doing a lot of uh, different things. Just, again, just I always have enjoyed spending time around the crews. So that's when I got around paving crews. I was doing traffic control in the evenings, at nights, and just got kind of more of a feel of, you know, the, the work outside really enjoyed that side of it and just really got lucky, got a lot of opportunities early on, had some great mentors. So, um, again, worked in Greenville for a while. And then I got my first opportunity to run kind of a small area, which included at that time, asphalt plant and a shop and construction mm -hmm. in Augusta, Georgia in 2002, when that company asked me to move. So I was 20, 
28 uh, at the time. So got an opportunity at a young age to run a, a small, small area or region that they called them, uh, which obviously gave me a lot of opportunities to learn by, by mistakes that I made and by, yeah. and, you know, just by seeing, you know, and trying to lead people to, to um, do this work that I love doing. So when C.W. Matthews hired you, did they hire you at the executive level? They did. They did. So I came in as uh, as a, a COO for them over oh, operations, really? which oh. was kind of interesting because a lot of the uh, the team there that that's there still today has been there for a long time. So mm-hmm. I was nervous to be honest with you coming in. I mean, these the great reputation, just great management team. Uh, so I was new kid on the block, but uh, but it's been awesome. I mean, everybody. Uh, was very welcoming and and uh you know we there's a lot of expertise there a lot of knowledge so it was just kind of just being part of the team and kind of bringing everybody together and i i couldn't ask for anything better it's worked it's worked out really well family-owned business and the owner of the company is just can't ask for anybody anybody better to work for so that that part was um has made it very special in that you know he allows us to make decisions run the company like you said it's Mm -hmm. a large company uh, almost 1,400 employees, but at the same time, it feels small. It has a small feel of a family-owned business. So, how, how do you foster that that feeling of making it a small family business at 1,400 people? You know, it's it's uh, getting down in the trenches and, and having a true understanding of what uh, our employees have to deal with day in and day out. So it's fun. Uh, it's challenging, though. Uh, again, it's very large, so fostering is is can be difficult uh, in getting the message uh, out to the labor force. But I think our our culture has been, and and I think we continue to improve in that. A sending this message that the executive team, the the support team at the company, is there really only to serve them and allow them to do their job, which is hard enough these days with all the challenges of, of, you know, attracting people and retention and the demands of the owner and the specs. And like we were talking earlier, some of the work's done at nine. You have the traveling public. Most of our work is for DOTs and, and public county entities, counties, that sort of thing, cities. So, uh, but I think you just foster it by, by your actions, not necessarily by your words, but it's not just me, right? It's the whole team. Uh, and I think we do a pretty good job at that is, is just letting them know that, hey, without them, we don't exist, that they're important. They're really the key. We, we're well capitalized so we can get the equipment. We have the asphalt plans. We have the tools we need, but without these employees, uh, we're nothing. So, uh, you know, I think we do it by a million different things. I mean, uh, uh, just staying connected to them, offering the benefits and the pay and all that. But it's more about that. It's more about uh, what we're constantly preaching is about supervisors having really a connection with the employee, mm-hmm. uh, knowing their families, knowing, you know, giving them opportunities when possible to have time off, to attend events uh, for their children or whatever the case mm-hmm. may be. And not just saying we're going to do that, but actually doing it. I feel that's, you know, just a small way of how, how we try to do that. It was interesting. I went to, I don't even know when it was at this point, but I went to visit you not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Typically when I come to visit and, and somebody like you, you know, president of the company, it'll be like, oh, this is actually, I'll feel like a, a little bit of a hindrance because I feel like I'm I'm having to get babysat, but they're always just like, no, 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 I don't get out of the office. This is fantastic. But, but for you, it seemed just like another day at the office. Um, and, and I say that not literally because you're out on job sites all the time. Like how how often are you out on a job site? I, I, I'm not out as much as I'd like to be. You yeah. know, I think you always want to be out there more because that's, to me, that's the fun part, yeah. right? I mean, all the stuff at the office, it, you know, it's part of it. And, you know, the estimating side, I really enjoy that and, and the whole strategy about capturing work. But where the, where the rubber meets the road is out there is where the employees are making things happen just enjoy being around the people. Um, again, I just have a love really in the industry more about the people that do the work than anything else. So, um, there's times that I'm out there several days a week, but I might go, you know, a few weeks without getting out there. And I kind of, 
you know, almost feel guilty because I want to be out there. I want to be part of it. And that, like I said, I just really enjoy. It's amazing what you can learn when you get out there talking to these men and women. Right. So, you know, and some of the guys sometimes give me grief. It's like, how did you learn about that? Or how did you hear? And it's like, it's just as simple as just going out there and say, Hey, how things going? And it's amazing what people are going to tell you. But uh-huh. if you're not connected to those men and women out there, you really don't know, Hey, what are the issues they're having or experiencing? And our team does a really good job of, of that at the executive level, at the middle management is get out there and just, you know, remove these roadblocks because uh, it's difficult. I mean, these foremen have a tremendous amount of pressure on them mm-hmm. uh, to lead people, to satisfy the owner, to meet production so that we can be profitable. So our job needs to be how do we get the road, like I said, just remove roadblocks so they can do their thing. It it, it was amazing to me, though, because it wasn't just you kind of, I don't know. I, I get to see a lot of people and I just like to watch and sometimes it'll be, you know, the executive is kind of, kind of off, just, just doing their thing. They're, they're pretty low key, but you were, I mean, you're there shaking everybody's hand and talking to a lot of your guys in Spanish because you can speak Spanish, obviously. That's a big benefit. It, it's a big benefit. Um, but you were just, yeah, you were, you were getting to know the people. You weren't so concerned. It seemed like about, well, how's this job going boys? Like, are we making production today? It was just like, Hey, just. Like, I remember you saying, like, my accent's not very good, but it's like, Yamame, like, like, give me, give me a call, um, to some of your guys. Your Spanish is good. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And and you meant it and you can tell you meant it. It wasn't this act because, you know, we were there with a camera. It was just like, yeah, this guy clearly does this all the time. I think that's pretty special. I appreciate you saying that. Like I said, it's important to me and it, it really is about words. I mean, these guys three see through phony pretty quick, right? So and again, that is what makes our industry so amazing is the people that are in it. You know, these these employees, uh, they have a lot of challenges, both at work and personally. I mean, everybody's going through something. So, uh, you know, we're, we're there for them. One of the things I think we've done that's really awesome is uh, we got this thing called the CWM, well, C.W. Matthews Employee Foundation, which um, mm. is uh, is uh uh, in essence, a 501 where our employees donate to it, our own employees at all levels donate to it so that an event uh, that somebody has, you know, whether it's a death in their family or somebody's house burned down, whatever the case it is, an emergency, then this uh, fund uh, covers those expenses and helps our own. So we try to do a lot of things uh, to bring the team together, but Really, again, it's not about just programs and ideas. It's about just caring for other people. So I think if that doesn't start at the top, uh, uh, then, you know, how does it, how does everybody buy into the culture? But I honestly do really enjoy just being out there and, and having those conversations with our employees and, and just kind of seeing uh, what, what needs they're there. How do we become better? I mean, a lot of the ideas come from them. You know, we're, we try to do that as a, the guy on the roller or the guy on the loot or the guy running the doser. They, they're the ones out there experiencing the issues every day. If you're not out there talking to them, how do you mm-hmm. really know how to best serve them in order for them to do the work? Well, at a construction company too, everybody in the office is overhead. That's, and that's, that's just one line item, but that's not any of the money on a job, all of the money on the job is in asphalt by the ton, is in linear feet of curb, is in cubic yard of dirt moved. And those, they're the ones actually making all of the money for the business. Absolutely. It's, it's a really unique thing in that they, you know, the executive, it's just, you're just overhead. Exactly. You're just supporting them at the end of the day. Exactly. And if we're not turning a profit, they don't need us, yeah. right? So. Yeah. Uh, that is the key in, in how to keep people motivated because we do want to give them the tools and keep them motivated so they, they can be productive so that we can turn a profit. But again, we do talk a lot about that, you know, in our administrative staff. I mean, our equipment side is it, a prime example. The gentleman that's running that force came from the Caterpillar dealership mm. back in 2010. And he really treats it as a service. I mean, he's there to provide the support to our field so that they can run the equipment. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, we'll get to it when we, when we want to is, Hey, yeah. we need to get it done so that you can be 
continue to be productive. So a, a lot of our support team, uh, thankfully, from a culture standpoint, thinks that way. Is say, we're here to support you in the field to make sure that that you're productive and that we're profitable. You talk about, I think, something that unique, that's unique about you guys being so as big as you are is the religious component. Yes. Can you, can you talk about how that plays a role in your business? Sure. I'm glad you asked that. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's very, I think it's very unique. Yeah, it, it is unique. So, uh, you know, I think the the whole idea comes from, it, the company is based on Christian principles, the family, uh, those are their values. And thankfully, a lot of us share that. But it's it's more than just, um, you know, being out there and, and, and necessarily trying to change somebody's mind or get, or, or, or trying to lead them in a certain way. It comes from the care for others. It comes from kind of the golden rule of treating others like you want to be treated. But it is unique in that uh, those are my personal values. I grew mm-hmm. up that way. My, my parents both uh, uh, were strong in their faith, which I, I grew up in, in the same way. But when I first started at Matthews, went to their board meeting. I mean, I just started, and they opened up in prayer, for example. So we mm-hmm. do that at every meeting. Uh, even us, our guys, if, if we go out to eat together, we will open up in prayer. But, again, it's more than that. It's just one important thing about that is we got to live it through our actions and not just talk about it because I think that turns people off from faith. Uh, but unique to us is we have a company pastor uh, he started with us a couple of years ago. And again, what we saw there is that, you know, uh, people uh, are looking for help. You know, people are um, uh, have have situations at home or going through possibly a divorce, the death of a child. I mean, we experienced that recently with, with one of our employees and, and our pastors there just to, to be there for support, to, to put their arm around them, to pray for them. And, and our goal is, you know, that at the end of the day, yeah, we build roads and we build bridges, but we really want to build good men and good women and good fathers and good sons and 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 we have that um, we have that support again there if somebody needs it. So um, yeah. our pastor sends out a text every Tuesday morning at six a.m. that goes to all our employees. You can either sign up for it or not, um, but um, I think it's been well received in that um, we're there. Again, to support in any way we can, and we feel that faith is a good way to do that. It also originated from, uh, unfortunately, a tragic accident that we had where we lost uh, one of our employees, and we found ourselves trying to support the crew that saw the accident happen. Mm-hmm. And we had somebody come from the outside to kind of minister to that group and be there for them uh, to provide uh, support, but it wasn't anybody that they knew. Uh, it was somebody that came from the outside, so there wasn't a connection. So by having uh, Todd, who's our pastor, uh, as part of our team, then when we have a situation like that, which we since had, uh, you know, it was, it was a connection, somebody they know, somebody that they can lean on if, if they're struggling. And again, our, our, at the end of the day, we kind of see it as a that's uh, a greater mission in that uh, we want to be able to to share our faith with those that uh, that are willing to listen. Sure. And I think you said something important there, too. It's be focused on building people, just great humans, then they go build the stuff you need to build. Exactly. I think a lot of companies have it backwards. They just focus entirely on building stuff. And, yeah, we need I guess, you know, part of building stuff is uh, you need human beings to do it. It's uh, such a pain in the ass. It's like a, it's like a hindrance to doing the work. But if you just instead focus on, let's just build great human beings, everything else gets taken care of as a result. Um, and at least that's, we're far from perfect at it. And I want to do a lot more, but that's where we spend a lot of our time is like, let's just focus on the humans we have here. And then everything else is, is miraculously going to get taken care of as a result. And we're already seeing the results of that. Yeah. Not that that wasn't happening before, but you need, you hit the nail on the head. That That's exactly what we want to do is we want to build good people. And I think if we do that, the rest of it will take care of itself. Talk about just like the world of building things for DOTs and the world of public work. You do hundreds of millions of dollars a year in public work. These are big federal 
upstate jobs, interstates, state routes. It's it's big work you guys do. Can you talk about how just that's awarded in the process? Because I don't think people understand a lot of things about how public work is created. Sure. So um, pretty much the majority of the work we do is awarded on low bid. So it is it is challenging because, it, you know, if you quality a lot of times per se really doesn't play into the equation. Of course, if you do the work, you have to do it, uh, you know, you have to do it timely and, and, and build a good product, but that none of that matters at the beginning when you turn in your price. So you have to be better than the competition when it comes to production and, you know, making sure that you have the equipment that you have very little downtime. So you're looking at all those, at all those things. The majority of the work we do is paid by the line item. So, you know, if you install a, a, if you move a cubic yard of dirt, it gets paid that way. If you do a linear feet of a linear foot of pipe or a ton of asphalt, mm-hmm. it all gets measured and paid. So that's a little bit different than, than in the commercial or private where you just turn a one lump sum price. Ours, our work for the most part gets paid, um, by, by units of measure of what we do. But, uh, you know, every third Friday of every month, Georgia DOT, uh, we turn in a bid and that that's like the two longest hours of, of my life from the time we turn in the bids to the results start coming out, uh-huh. you know, cause you're, you're, you're excited. I mean, still to this day, been doing this for, I guess, you know, 26 years and it's, it's the adrenaline rush. It's like, you've turned in this prize and you, you want to see if you got the job, but you don't want to leave a lot, a lot of money on the table, yeah. but you still do want to pick up the job. So, a lot of it is is technical. A lot of it is art, you know, when you're trying to uh, see what backlog you have and kind of figuring out what the competition's going to do. So it's very exciting. It's it's a fun part of of uh, of the business, but it is um, in a respect, you know, in one way it's uh, it's different in that you got to be the low bidder every time. So there's a lot of pressure that goes into that. We do have a few jobs, and and we've done very well on the design build side. We do mm-hmm. that for public entities as well, mainly for the DOT. Uh, in that case, the the price is a lump sum price. Sure. Of course, you get the opportunity to to play a part in the design side. Of course, we team up with engineering firms, but you have the ability to uh, be more innovative and, and come up with, with some methods, you know, to change, um, you know, maybe what was originally intended for that project. So, Again, that's been a great side for us. We have a division that specializes in just that, not only the the pursuit side, but also the uh, the execution side. So it's a different team because it's a different mindset. You know, on the on the mindset of getting paid by the line item. If if the inspector wants you to do more work, you get paid more for it. So uh, it's not the end of the world if they add some work or whatever the case may be on the design build side obviously it's it's a different mindset so a totally different mentality absolutely yeah, I've, I've seen that play out yeah sometimes you're you're super i mean especially on the private side of things it's like yeah we'll do that work for you like don't worry about it don't worry about the money or anything because you're trying to build that relationship but yes. when it comes to uh when you're getting paid by the line item and that's like if the price is the price whatever it is no we're not doing that unless right. it's a change order exactly like it's not in the contract so i'm not doing that sure sure that's not always cut and dry like that but you do have to play that game a little no bit. absolutely now the the uh the uh part that right now is challenging is you know some of the projects we have are are years you know two three four years old so in that regard the line item is the line item and that price is the price so, you know, labor has escalated, materials have escalated mm-hmm. and and the owner is not really compensating you for that. Where I think on the private side, you have more room to negotiate some of those things on the public side, not so much. But, you know, it's great for us. We have great relationships with, with the owners we deal with. I, I think they know that we're going to be fair with them. Uh, we're going to do the, the job and we're going to do quality work. There are times... Um, the DOT, for example, has gone here recently to what they call A plus B. So part of the price is on the A component mm-hmm. is the price. The B component is the number of days, and the days get assigned a dollar value. So if if you're a contractor that says, "Hey, I can do it in 600 days," uh, and and it's it has a value for each day, another contractor says, "I'm going to do it in 800 days," 
So that kind of plays uh, as well. I think it's a good method for certain projects. If it's a project, you know, that you could really add some some resources to it, cutting through the middle of woods, you know, mm -hmm. uh, moving dirt, laying pipe, laying asphalt. I think that's the best utilization for that kind of approach. Sometimes uh, some of the owners have used it uh, more for widening job where there's a lot of utilities and that a lot of times we don't have under our control. So on many of our projects, the power and the, you know, cable and AT&T and all that is being moved by those agencies. So uh, we don't really have control over the time. So that makes it a little bit more challenging when it has that B component. But when we have all the control, we really like that approach because, again, we'll just add the, the resources mm. to try to get the project and, and then build it as fast as we can. My uh, my only qualm when it's so focused on the schedule is that especially when these big contractors come in and I'm sure they kind of go in and out of your market. You've probably seen that a bunch. They do. They come in and a lot of times their model is they just blow and go and they'll just run 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they kind of screw the market up in a sense. Uh, and it's just like, okay, so you're just going to work all the time and you're just going to burn out your whole workforce and then you're going to leave town. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that. I've seen that in a lot of places. <laughs> yes. We, we've seen some of that. There's some of that. I mean, there's some really large projects coming to Georgia. Uh, uh, they've instituted this this program called the Major Mobility, Major Mobility Improvement Program. So there's some large jobs coming over a billion dollars each project. But wow. there's a couple of those uh, going on right now. We haven't seen a lot of what you've uh you just referenced in Georgia, but I'm familiar with it. I've seen it elsewhere. What happens with those as well is, you know, these companies come in and they don't have a labor, a local force. So they come in. The only way to get that is by paying higher wages. Correct. So you end up losing some people, yeah. but then, you know, they realize, hey, you know, it's just a company that's coming in to kind of do one project and then they're going to leave. So those people come back to you. There's some of that um, that happens, but thankfully, we haven't had a huge issue with it. We've had some, but I think uh, the majority of our employees realize, hey, that's a short-term uh, mm -hmm. gain that I'm, you know, I might get paid a little bit more, but the job's going to only last, you know, a couple of years, and then what am I going to do? So there's some of that, but uh, we've done fairly well in uh, trying to hold on to to our employees when that happens. What I'm thinking, DOT and government. Is um, there was a lot of talk about the infrastructure bill. Not anymore because there's plenty of other things going on in the world nowadays, and that news cycles far far surpassed us. But um, is the infrastructure bill actually is that going to play a role in the future, or how does that affect a company like you guys, if if at all, or does it just continue what's already happening? It continues what what's happening. We were excited when it happened, even though a lot of the funds are not going to build you know, roads and bridges and so forth. Some of it is going for broadband and other things that are necessary. We just don't do that type mm -hmm. of work. We were very excited about it. Georgia had announced that it was going to increase the program by 20%, which is great. The problem is since it was announced, inflation has hit and now pricing, uh, you know, or the pricing that that's being seen out there versus what Maybe the owners thought before is twenty to thirty percent. So no without it, I think it would be an issue, right? We would see less work. But really, I feel at this point, all it's going to do is kind of uh, basically cover the inflation that we've seen in the last six months. That that is fascinating. I would not have I would not have guessed that. Yes, but yeah, I guess inflation affects everything in the prices to build stuff right now. Anything, I mean. If you're building a house or remodeling, you understand. But to go pour concrete and asphalt, I mean, we were just talking this morning about concrete shortages. Yes. Cement. It's, it's a huge problem. Yeah, prices are increasing all every day. Steel, liquid asphalt, all of this in the last six months, the escalations. Like I said, you're, you're looking at 20, 30% on liquid asphalt, even more, you know, fuel. So again, I'm grateful that we're getting this additional funding, uh, because it's covering this inflation, at least if not, you can imagine there'd be 20 or 30% less work. It just that dollars wow. are not going as far. But, you know, this idea that, you know, we're going to have 20% more construction or roads, I, I just don't see that happening. 
uh, anytime in the near future. I think it's going to cover that that gap of funding that maybe these states wouldn't have otherwise been able to do. That's huh. That's fascinating. Huh. Um, can you talk about high school recruitment? Because I think what you guys do there is is very very cool. Super excited about that. Uh, we brought in a gentleman named Jeremy Whitaker three years ago. He was a teacher at one of the local high schools. We had connected with him and we had seen him uh, do the signing day, kind of like what schools do for uh, athletes that are getting ready to from high school to go play in college. So he had started that. And um, again, we, we had a connection with him, talked to Jeremy and he was looking for a change. We were looking for somebody like him. And uh, he is just doing a great job for us. So in essence, what we're doing is um, basically connecting with high schools uh, all over the state in the Mm -hmm. areas that we operate and uh, just trying to help construction teachers at the high schools that have that kind of just really be a guide for them on on our type of construction. You know, there's there's some schools that might have uh, you know, uh, they might be talking about commercial construction or uh, carpentry or HVAC, and all that's great. But we really weren't seeing uh, any high, any one high school that was tackling the the whole horizontal construction, the the heavy civil that we're doing. So Jeremy's gone out there, connected with the teachers, and then gotten in front of the classroom. And uh, I mean, he just has a, a great way of uh, connecting with teens. He's not only doing it in high school, but we're we're doing it in middle schools. We're trying to, mm. uh, you know, he calls it uh, root to fruit. So just kind of just plant this idea. This this is a great industry. In the past, nobody's really, you know, you have some of us that, you know, when you were young, you played with the Tonka toys or Legos or whatever the case may be. But then all of a sudden, you know, nobody talks about it anymore. And then you graduate high school and then we've missed an opportunity. So sure. we are now over 100 um since he started three years ago, we're over a hundred high school students that have joined us. We also have work-based learning. So during the school year, we have uh, right now, we have the most uh, amount of students we've had since he started 25 high school students that while they're in high school, they come and join us for either a day or several hours a day. It really, we try to match it with their schedule. We have several of them working at our asphalt plants because as you know, those are stationary so they can go there and Mm -hmm. work after school for two or three hours. So it's, it's growing. We see this as, uh, absolutely the best answer to the labor shortage. And, um, and they're excited. We've got several simulators that we utilize. So, um, they come in, we take those to the school and show them in the schools, but then when they come work for us in the summer, they get an opportunity to do that, but we're, we're placing them out with our crews. We, we try to be smart about that and put them with, uh, with uh, foremen and superintendents and leaders in our company that have bought into this idea, they know that mm. this is really the way that we see to to improve um, again this the the labor dilemma that we're in we're in. But uh, what's neat about it, uh, it's it's spreading not only at our company but in the industry, which is great. I think it's it's an industry problem what we have with with people, not just a C.W. Matthews. Think we're leading the way, and and I'm grateful for that. Uh, not only Jeremy, but again our managers, our HR department, everybody really sees the benefit of this. But it has gone so far that the state legislators in Georgia, uh, just now in this last legislative session, approved 2.9 million dollars uh, to provide schools with simulators and a program mm. uh, that uh, basically develops these students. So uh, it appears that it's going to be six high school, six high schools and three technical uh, colleges that are going to have these simulators. And again, this program that was developed uh, between uh, CAT, uh, SIM, the SIM simulators, the, the CAT uh, scholars basically teamed up with our company, I believe were the the only company or the first, I should say, in the world that partnered with CAT to create this this apprenticeship program. So we're utilizing that also once these high school employees are uh, come to work for us, we utilize that to uh, to show them the, the path to become an operator. Mm. So we also are doing that as well. We've done three excavator classes and now 
just started a program for uh, dozer wow. operating skills. So they, these employees, groups of about six to eight, come in one day a week uh, for 12 weeks, and they get to utilize simulators. Not only that, but we're also spending time, uh, Several tra- we have several of our trainers involved with this. Uh, we have Jeremy involved, and I come in one of the weeks and also talk to them about just life skills, you know, about what it takes to be successful in this industry. And, you know, these young men and women, they're soaking it up. They, they want to learn more. They want to know how to move to the next level, um, not only technically as, as far as operating the equipment, but again, we teach them, you know, just again, life skills at, you know, showing up to work on time, Th- simple things like that, or, you know, having a great attitude and work ethic, but it's more than that is, you know, how do you uh, impact your crew, leadership skills, uh, financial uh, information that, that would benefit them. So it's a lot. I mean, we have, uh, we have several people committed to, the, to this, but again, we're seeing huge success coming out of these, these partnerships with, with multiple uh, schools in our area. That's, uh, it, it's pretty uh, amazing. And how, like, if you're, you're competing on a, a low bid basis, so how do you, I mean, the argument would be like, oh, well, we can't afford that. Like, how do you, how do you afford investing that much in high school kids? I would, I would plant the question as how can you not afford to do it? Because yeah. what we saw where we, where we were struggling is, you know, and in, in, in there are success stories out there of, of somebody coming to us in their in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. Without a doubt, we've we found some some good employees that way. But most of the time, you know, they have gone through multiple different industries, different mm-hmm. jobs, and then they're coming to us and still starting at a at a at, at kind of the bottom of the pay scale because they don't know what we do. So um, we we just weren't having a lot of success in that area. Whereas you get, you know, somebody graduating from high school that pays pretty good for somebody like that, better than what they've seen. And they're just eager to learn. Uh, it's fun. You know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a neat industry. If you like being outdoors, you know, they come in and for somebody to be able to start operating equipment at 19 or 20 years old, somebody giving them the chance to do that, you know, they're running half a million dollar piece of equipment or, Mm -hmm. or greater than that. So it's a huge responsibility um, afforded to them. We we do the best we can to to train them, and again, we're seeing huge success in that area. So mm. we really see it as as kind of the answer um, going forward. We we recently one of those young men that started with us out of high school uh, made foreman. So at the age of you know twenty two, twenty three, oh. we have our first foreman out of that program. So here you have a young man really doing well financially, uh, now has a truck he's driving and, and has a crew he's leading. So it's important, again, to, to uh, give him that support. But they're seeing huge opportunities. So um, um, it's not that I'm against college. Uh, you know, that's definitely one of the paths to come in the company. We have many college graduates that join us. But here's a young man that at the same age as his buddy was graduating from college, he doesn't have any, you know, mm. uh, bills that he's going to have to pay for the next 10 years, any, sure. any loans, and he's making uh, as much or more than somebody coming out of school because, you know, the reality is, is that the foreman of the future, the superintendent of the future, those people are not lining up at our door wanting to do these roles, but these high school students are motivated and because they have a mentor and, and our whole culture is is buying into this concept that, hey, this is how we're going to succeed for the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years is by bringing them in, coaching them, teaching them how great this industry is. And like I said, so far, I'm very excited about what the future holds in that area. Oh, and it's, it's, it's in everybody's best interest. There's like a weird, sometimes it's the, the old timers don't want to teach the young people at all. And you just sit there and scratch your heads. You're like, well, you've made your whole career in this industry and the industry is going to fail if we don't train up the next generation. Like the previous generation trained you up, but you don't want to do it because they don't want to work. So where, like, how do we win here? And so you look back and like, well, I had a great career there, but sorry, can't help you. Like, 
just from a legacy standpoint, how do you leave the industry worse off? And and, and it, it's everybody's responsibility. It's not just your responsibility as the leader of a company. It's not filled with, it's not anybody. It's it's everybody's responsibility and everybody needs to sit around, look around and say, hey, how do I help solve this problem? If we had everybody asking themselves that and then doing something about it, we'd be in a pretty good spot right now. We'd be in a great spot. And and if you think back, you know, 40, 50 years ago, that's, that is what was happening. You know, the industry was awesome. And I think people were coming into the industry feeling that way, like, Hey, it, it was, it was a great job to have. And we, for some reason, you know, I could name several, but we lost that there for some period of time. We kind of lost it. This is an awesome industry. Um, I think our culture, and and I really think people are buying in. You know, of course, you always going to have you know a couple people here and there that might not see the benefit. But for the most part, exactly what you just said is what we're trying to create. Is 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 tell these experienced um, managers, these experienced operators, and foremen is um, it's kind of goes back to your faith question: is what legacy are you going to leave behind? You know, nobody's going to remember you as, oh, you, you were a great dozer operator or mm-hmm. you built, you know, this job over here is people that we talk about that worked for our company in the past or even in our industry. When you remember somebody, you remember, hey, that person had a huge impact on my life. Mm-hmm. He really coached me and trained me. And that's what we're telling these operators. It's like, we need you. We're not going to get rid of you in exchange for one of these younger men or women. But leave a legacy, go out there and teach somebody so that the day you retire, you know, they're going to be talking to you for for decades about, hey, this guy trained me and he invested in me. And what better legacy to leave than that? Sure. Yeah, that's it's it's huge. What um, what that that young kid that's now foreman. What uh, I mean, what would you tell the younger kids getting into it now? Hey, I want to be foreman in two or three years. How how do I make that a reality? What did he do that made him successful and allowed him to get promoted to foreman first? I, I think just attitude and, and work ethic, you know, those are the basics, right? Th- those play a, a huge role, but kind of just raising your hand and saying, hey, give me a chance. You know, I think he was doing that, but we are also obviously looking for success stories. So he's the first one, but we've got two others that are right behind him that, uh, that will make foreman probably very soon. So I, I think you have to have that desire to learn, mm-hmm. uh, that desire to be open in our company. We we're very, um, we, we try to encourage people moving from one division to the next, uh, you know, don't get stuck doing just one role. If somebody says, Hey, I'm looking for a paving foreman. Uh, it's a it's a difficult job to fulfill for us again because we work so many nights or weekends, or we're looking for somebody to run the plant. You might be on the grading side now, but just take a chance. You know, say yeah, I'm up for it as long as you're willing to to mentor me and teach me, then I'll do it. That's the kind of person we're looking for, and that's what we're seeing in some of these again young men and, and young women. It's like they have a desire to learn. They have a, um, you know, again, a lot part, a, a big part of it is that they do have a mentor, you know, in Jeremy and others that they're kind of looking after them and making sure that, you know, they, it's more of a, almost like a father figure, you mm-hmm. know, saying, Hey, why didn't you show up yesterday? You didn't call, you know, that's not acceptable. It's just kind of trying to teach them just the basics. But the reality is that if you're passionate about what we do, if, if you're willing to learn, you have these this teachable spirit and and just willing to, again, just take on a challenge. The opportunities are endless because our industry needs these people. There's so many people that have left the industry or retired that um, I don't know really of any other industry that can offer them the, the kind of opportunities that we can offer right now when the growth. I mean, we have more work than we've had in the history of our company. So there's plenty of opportunities there for those that uh, that really want to, you know, put the effort and time uh, to do these roles. Well, and and yeah, and the workforce problem we're facing is the next generation's biggest opportunity. Absolutely, that's a that's a hell of an opportunity for anybody getting into the industry right now. Yes, and, and it's interesting too. I, I hear a, a lot of people um, they 
in like a negative way, like, yeah, these, these people, they don't, they don't just, they just don't show up or whatever it is. And, it, and, and you said something, it's like, well, even just asking why, okay, like, hey, why, why didn't you show up? And it, in like a caring way, not being an asshole about sure. it. Like, Hey, like you need to be here. Like, why, why, why not? And, sure. and maybe that opens the door for some kind of conversations like, Hey, I just, I care about you. Like, I'm just wondering what the heck's going on. And I think every, every human, they, they desire to do a good job. So it's not like they're, I, I think everybody wants to show up, but sometimes they, they, they might not even know how to show up. Right. Someone didn't even teach them something as simple as the importance of showing up. Or maybe there's something happening at home or whatever it is, but just taking the time to have that, ask that question and taking the time to even have that little bit of understanding probably goes a long way. Having that personal relationship with the employee is it's just critical. I mean, I keep, you know, preaching. I know the guys probably get tired of hearing this, but I really believe that, you know, the relationship you have with your immediate supervisor is the reason why people leave or, or, or stay. Um, you know, people come up with a million excuses about, well, this person left because somebody offered them 25 more cents or, you know, somebody leaves, you know, the guy didn't show up to work for three days. And, you know, it's to your point is why? I mean, maybe he had something happen at home. Nobody's leaving for 25 cents mm -hmm. if they have a great relationship with you, if they feel like you care about them and you treat them well. And again, I'm saying there's very few of that left, I think, in our company. I think for the most part, everybody understands that that relationship is important and that's going to be the only way that you're going to retain employees. You know, we Last year, we kind of went out on a limb in, in a lot of the companies uh, we saw were offering a, a bonus, a signing bonus to attract people. And we talked about that. We were in need of people desperately. And we said, what, well, you know, we, we're not going to do that. We're not going to offer a signing bonus. We're going to offer a retention bonus. So the family agreed to give us a million dollars to put out there for a retention bonus. So it was only for hourly field personnel. So anybody that worked between April and October and stayed with us the whole construction season got a part of the million dollar bonus. And it was, it was, it didn't matter how long you had been with a company. It didn't matter what position you were in the hourly side is it was just based on the amount of hours you worked during the construction season. And some wow. of the guys got some awesome checks and, you know, I think more than the money, we got a lot of feedback from our employees saying, hey, we appreciate y'all recognizing us that stayed with you, not that you're trying to attract somebody from the outside and, and giving them mm. a bonus. So we've continued that. We're offering that again this year. And, uh, you know, again, it goes back to the caring for people. But it, back to your point is it's this whole idea that um, if you have the relationship, if you understand the why, you know, we, we tell these, these new employees that you know, tell tell your supervisor, if you have something going on, if your family's got a, a, a reunion or you have some sort of special event, just let them know days in advance. And we're going to work with you to let you off. Uh, just don't not show up. And then on the other side, we're telling the supervisors work with these people. You sure. know, you just, you got to treat everybody, you know, with respect and their family so treat them like that. We keep saying that. So let's let's do that. And I think that's what's working. It's a perfect no. We're still losing people yeah. between 30 and 120 days. We've done some things. Uh, first day, the employee shows up. I mean, really taking some of that uh, knowledge from, from some of your other customers, from you uh, and your team. You know, we're trying to revamp some things. We're, we're following up with the employees in, that, in those first few months. Uh, just to try to encourage them because it is a tough business. It's a long, it's a lot of long hours and hard work. It's hot in the summer, it's cold in the winter, but if they stick through it that first year, they kind of get to see that, man, how awesome it is to work for a family owned company. That's that large, that builds some amazing projects, but more than anything that cares about you and that cares about your family and that wants to train you and see you succeed. And it's, I mean, it's, you guys have been around for over 75 years, so it's been around for a while and it's going to be around for a while. So it's, it's like, yeah, this is a place I could be my, my whole career. Sure. 
it's it's interesting too. I think the the flexibility is a little important there because we are a production based industry. So we do need to produce. I mean, you get paid by the ton of asphalt you put down yes. on the road. You you we can't get around that. Um, but that doesn't that doesn't mean we can't be flexible and acknowledge that people have lives outside of work. Right. <laughs> and and we've watched for two and a half years now, the rest of the world get a hell of a lot more flexible. Because all of the knowledge workers, the people that don't produce, like the construction industry, they can just work from home. Yes. And now they have the ability to control their life in a little bit of a way that it's like, hey, if my daughter has something, I can actually go to it now, which is crazy. The construction industry, we've been watching that. And who doesn't want a little bit of control over their lives and who shouldn't have a little bit? of? It's just like a, it should be just a basic principle. So I feel like contractors need to find a way to just just be a little bit more forgiving and just a little bit more flexible. And I, yeah, you can't have a paving crew work from home. I get the reality of that. But yeah, if you're, you're if someone's kid has something, it shouldn't just be like, no, it's just not happening. We have work to do. That's just the wrong approach. And that, that sucks. Um, so moving in that just a little bit more flexible of a direction, I think makes a big difference. It's definitely the most challenging part of our business, as, as you just described it. Uh, like you said, it, you know, we're all about, you know, obviously working safe, but it is all about production. And, and you know, that for us sometimes because of doing a lot of work in the metro area of Atlanta, that means nights and weekends. And it's tough to, to plan um, around that at times. But we're making a, a concerted effort. Like you said, we have to find ways. So how do we do that? I mean, one of the things we've done, and, and all these things seem pretty basic, but we weren't doing them in the past is we're designating weekends. For example, we shut down, we give the employees plenty of notice and tell them, hey, you're going to be off this weekend so that they can make plans for their family. A lot of what we were hearing is a not really that I mind working and it's just, I never know when I'm going to be off or mm. when I'm going to be working. So yeah. that's been a challenge for us, but we're, uh, we're working hard, uh, to try to accommodate that as much as we can and just find small ways to, to afford those opportunities. Because really at the end of the day, that is what it's about, right? You're trying to provide for your family, a better future for them. Um, we want you to be happy at work and, and, you know, the way we do that is by being flexible and, and at the same time, more than anything, communicating with our employees so they understand when we have to work a all around the clock weekend or something like that. As long as we're communicating and they have noticed, I think they're willing to do it is at times when we don't do a good job at that, that, um, that, you know, you get people that get worked up about it. Well, and, and yeah, I, uh, anybody would be worked up about it. Sure. Like, yeah, I'd be annoyed if, if I made plans with my wife and it's like, hey, sorry. Yeah, gotta actually, I'm working this weekend. Right. Uh, it's Saturday and Sunday. And then, and maybe I'm not annoyed, but now she's annoyed. And, and, and which makes me more ag- Exactly. That gets us all in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah it's, so. it's not just about that individual. They have people relying on them outside of the work. Sure. Um, can you, ex- one, one other thing I wanted to get to, can you explain the, 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 I don't know what it's called, but the program where you have the people from Mexico working for you. Yes. This summer. Yeah. So this is the first time we've done that. It's, it's a work visa. We have 24, um, 23 men and, and one lady that came over uh, from Mexico. It, it, they started in April again. First time we're ever doing this, but um, huge success so far. So we provide housing. They pay us a small portion of the housing allowance. The company covers a good bit, but in essence, uh, they have uh, a visa that allows them to work between April 1st and the end of October. So none of them really had experience in construction, but they have been a great addition to our team. Thankfully, we have uh, plenty of supervisors that uh, speak Spanish. So the transition from uh, from uh, uh, being bilingual, that, that helps us. Um, and again, just great work ethic. Really, they the main thing is they want hours, so we got to make sure that we're accommodating uh, to ensure that they're getting enough hours. Um, but other than that, uh, th- again, they've been a great addition, and we hope to repeat this, you know, for years to come. Hopefully, we get the same group uh, to come again next year, and 
and hopefully we get uh, some additional people. So I don't, I can't tell you that I know all the details, but in essence, uh, the U.S. government allows so many of these visas a year. I believe it was 30,000 uh, in years mm -hmm. past. I think that number's increased to 50,000. So it, you apply, you're not guaranteed uh, that you're going to get the workforce. Uh, we applied for 24 and, and thankfully we're able to, to get all 24. So again, really? we pick them up, we have them, you know, staying in apartments, we pick them up and they work and then we drop them off at the end of the shift. And again, it's, it's been great. It's, it's been a great addition. We were looking for, for, uh, people. And this is just one other, um, thing that we're doing to try to, um, to increase our, our workforce and have the people we need to build the work. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. And that's something a lot of people have, have brought up because that's what a lot of other countries do. It's mm -hmm. very regular to have um, people brought in from other countries to work there. Sure. And it, it makes sense. And and I like it when it's done legitimately. I Absolutely. wish we would do it m more in, in, in a legitimate sense. It's It sucks that people have to do what they do to cross the border to get a better life for them and their 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 kids. It's it's people that cro that crossing the border. Yeah, you have the drug thing, but the drug thing is is over here. That's a whole different ball game. This immigration, it's just like you have to think how bad is it where they're at that they have to do what they're doing. Say give their entire life savings to some strangers that are completely taking advantage of them, potentially selling them into all, all kinds of just terrible situations, crossing the desert, however, they have to do. I mean, I've been on the border. It's 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 harsh. And then you get into a country, and now you can't legally work anywhere. And so, good luck just making a whole new life from scratch. It's it's crazy. Um, and we need the workforce. So it's crazy that we haven't figured out like how do we make this more legitimate? Because there is clearly a demand. We need workers. I've worked with a lot of those immigrant workers. Uh, that's how I grew up. I grew up in Arizona. I was the only white kid out there. Everybody else typically was Mexican. Hardest working people I've ever I've ever been around. They're just they're unbelievable, so caring. It's a different culture, so it's much more of a family um environment than than I've seen before and and it's it's a lot of fun to be a part of. But it's so hard. The the current process makes it so hard to make that a reality. I could not agree with you more. I mean, the need is huge right in our industry. And this is, this is right there as a solution to the problem. And like you just said, I mean, just for the most part, great employees, uh, not, not, we have a lot of, uh, Hispanic employees already with the company before these 24, we have a, a huge Hispanic workforce. And, you know, this is, I see as the answer, like you just said, it makes no sense. Um, you know, you and I would do it to, to, to feed our family. So like you said, they're coming across to look for a better life. Uh, the majority, like you said, put the cartel and the whole drug thing aside. Sure. They're just looking for an opportunity for somebody to give them an opportunity. And we need this workforce, our industry, not only Matthews, I mean, the agriculture industry needs it. Mm -hmm. uh, so many people and it's, it's right there and we can get both sides to agree on, on coming up with a solution that would benefit everybody, right? Benefit that person not coming across illegally, uh, make sure that they're pay paying taxes like the rest of us. Uh, th there's a way to make this work. Um, the solution is right there. It's right there at our fingertips, but uh, we're missing out. So we were glad to, to hear about this program. And again, we, uh, we're, just, we're just thrilled about it and, and look forward to hopefully grow on it um, for years to come. I hope that number continues to increase at the government because I assume more companies are going to start applying for this, especially with unemployment being so low. So hopefully that number will grow and, and we're able to continue to do this. If we could get the same employees to come back years after year, obviously you wouldn't have to retrain that workforce. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, they're just, uh, I was talking to some of them just uh, the other day and they're, they're just glad to be here. Glad that they have an opportunity. Just excited to, to be part of the company. That's pretty cool. It is. Yeah. The, hospitality industry t is traditionally worked that way yes. or, or like Vegas, for example. I mean, most of the people cleaning the rooms in Vegas, they're all not from the United States. Sure. Um, it's, but I haven't heard it too much in the construction industry, which is, I think, exciting. It is. Okay. Well, we touched on a lot of good stuff. We did. Told you it would be 
it went by fast. Pretty similar to what we talked about this yeah. morning. Yeah, same thing, just with microphones in front of us, so people can people can listen in. Um, how do people find CW Matthews if they want to learn more about what you guys have going on? You know, social media has become for us. We we have uh, Caroline does our social media, and she's been working with your team, and uh, she's doing an awesome job. Really, that's that's kind of turned to be the way that we uh, we send out a lot of information or highlight employees and projects and all that. So yeah, look look us up at CW Matthews or our website. Obviously, we're working with you guys. Uh, we uh, our website wasn't the best, but it's going to be awesome here in the in the next sure. couple of months with with y'all. Uh, we're excited to uh, kind of show the world the video that y'all created. That really, I think, portrays uh, our family values and who we are. So very excited to to kind of show the world that. And uh, so yeah, um, call me. I mean, I'm I'm you know we're we're looking for people. <laughs> we're uh, we're excited. I'm always open to, to just kind of interact. You've uh, put me in contact with with uh, some of my peers and other contractors in the country, and I think that's what it's all about. I mean, your mission is so important. I'm I'm so pumped about about it, about the industry as a whole. Again, it's it's bigger than just C.W. Matthews. It's it's an awesome industry. I just passionate about it. Love it. Um, you know, we we have a, a a tremendous uh, gift. Uh, we impact so many communities and so many lives and so many families. You know, you, you guys with with our team uh, have we've kind of created this this new uh, uh, slogan about getting Georgia home, and we're excited about that. When we started talking about all the all the things that we do, and really that's what's all about. We're getting people back to their families, and just excited. Uh, about what the future looks uh, in partnership with with you guys and as as uh, industry, I think there's just continues to be huge potential out there, and just hope that uh, together we can continue to attract new people to to it because it's awesome. We can do it. We have Absolutely. to do it together. Though. So yeah, we're we're really excited to be working with you guys, and I'm glad you could come up here. Thanks Thank for you. driving all the way up to Absolutely. Nashville to talk with us. For I'm excited a little bit. Yeah, it was great. Excellent. Um, well, everybody, that was uh, Dan Garcia with CW Matthews. Thank you.